0: Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day.
1: This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous.
0: With Sean Secrets.
1: We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally. To other people's money. And Queen. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground.
0: On Talk Radio 930 WTAD. When did Friday get here? It's the
1: morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. It's a Friday edition of the morning meeting. The days quickly slipping away until Election Day. Coming up on Tuesday, we'll be joined by the Iowa Republican, Craig Robinson, coming up in just a bit. And uh, Quaid will also have a second guest with us this morning, Dr. Axelrod. We have invited Dr. Alan Axelrod back to the show. And he Uh accepted uh, <laughs> peek behind the curtain <laughs> Sean has been efforting to get to somebody uh with no a, no 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 I've been wanting somebody to talk about this. you did the effort on this uh, well I don't know how much effort I put into it I thought you would put into more effort to, to get to a financial somebody uh to speak on uh, this show because I know you've been wanting to talk about this mm-hmm. in a deeper way yep. and uh Dr. Axelrod uh Dr. Axelrod's people kind of went hey how about Dr. Axelrod we went yeah, that'll work. Is available Friday <laughs> morning. morning? They went, yes. We, we, uh, well, yeah, we always have the one eyebrow up. He wants to come back on the show? Like to come back on the show. Okay. So, uh, we'll talk with uh, Dr. Alan Axelrod. Of course, his uh, book, Full Faith and Credit, mm-hmm. before it wasn't out yet. Now you can buy uh, his book, fullfaithandcredit.com, or where you buy books, Amazon, wherever you know you like to get your, your books, uh, his book is out now. So we'll talk with him about the debts, uh, the financial issues facing this country that are still going to be realities after the election, regardless of who is Mm -hmm. uh, elected president. So we'll get into that with him. Of course, financial numbers released today. Trump's kind of poo-pooing them. Do we even believe the numbers anymore? I think that's one of the undercutting issues of this election, is that we've kind of learned from both sides of the aisle that if you don't like it, well, then you don't have to believe it. Well, but it seems like numbers always get uh, released, mm-hmm. and then, say, a few weeks later, you know, very yeah, quietly off numbers. to the side, they get adjusted. Mm-hmm. So, so you're left with, well, what what's real uh, anymore? And uh, it's a shame, but it, it seems like that question comes up more often than not when you're presented with something. What well, what's real? What's what's solid. What's truth uh, anymore? And there are answers to that question. You know what? They're not really that difficult, but this isn't a religious show. Uh, (laughs) Most of the (laughs) time. A couple of things we wanted to get out there uh, before uh, we take a break and uh, get uh, Dr. Uh, Axelrod on. Uh, Eric uh, Greitens continuing his uh, kick to the end of the race to be uh, the next governor of the uh, show-me stage. Going to be stopping in Hannibal. Uh, This coming Monday, uh, he will be at uh, Hannibal Regional Airport. During the show, 1045, they're going to land in there. This is a, Mm -hmm. he's been doing the bus tour of the states, and now they're going to pick up the pace on Monday. They're going to be barnstorming. I'd like to think that he's doing the bus tour so that he knows where to direct the uh, road projects if he becomes governor. (laughs) You know, that's a, yeah, it's an interesting byproduct of of traversing the Show Me Mm -hmm. State uh, along its uh, roads. But yeah, Monday, Hannibal Regional Airport, 1045. Uh, Eric Greitens will be there. They're asking that you RSVP at uh, ericgreitens.com. And if you're not sure about the uh, Senate race in Illinois, Tammy Duckworth and uh, Mark Kirk are doing another debate tonight. That's oh, going to be on. Really? Uh, yeah, that's going to be Chicago and Chicago TV. I think it'll filter out downstate as far as being able to pick it up. Uh, but I don't know which channel it may be on. So just use your menu. That's or just search on your smartphone. Uh, it's going to be carried on uh, ABC seven in Chicago. I think this will end up being available uh, downstate, even if it's just uh, through their online Uh, video there. So yeah, Kirk and Duckworth going at it again tonight. Uh, Kirk really has to take this opportunity to try to clean up the uh, leftover ill will after the uh, comment about Duckworth's uh, family coming over to fight for George Washington. So he's got some (laughs) ground to make up. Certainly. Uh, Also, uh, we wanted to mention, uh, and I'm going to throw credit uh, to her over this, Mary mentioned uh, the veterans' Uh, uh, Day Parade uh-huh. uh, coming up uh, tomorrow, 10 a.m., 12th in Maine, uh, Downtown in Quincy is when it kicks off, and we'll head uh, down Main Street to Washington Park, and then it will pick back up at uh, 1 p.m. at the Veterans Home so that the uh, veterans who can't get downtown to enjoy the parade can enjoy it there uh, as well. So I, I would think, you know, yeah, cool to see the Veterans Day Parade downtown, but maybe even cooler to see it at the Veterans Home. Yeah, that is a a really neat chance to do that. And it's also Friday before the election, so we don't have time now because we're going to get to Dr. Axelrod. But before the show is done, I'm going to try and merge several of Quaid's passions. uh, (laughs) What? here on the show and and, and have some fun no, so I'm afraid uh, we'll we'll try that before the end of the show today and also uh congrats again to the cubs they're doing a uh, i think it's like a six-hour parade just kicked off they're going from from wrigley to downtown that's quite yeah. the parade that's a long, i figured they were doing a mile for each year since they won the world series and just go all <laughs> the way around cook county uh yeah they just left uh, uh, wrigley and congratulations again uh, to the Cubs. They're uh, expected to motorcade around at Grant Park. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a rally there at noon. So uh, it, it's going to be busy, too. Look, look when, when the Blackhawks won the Cup in, what was it, 2015, they said like 2 million people went to Grant Park. I can't even fathom. How many people are going to be there today? What a great day to be a food truck vendor. Oh,
0: (laughs) I mean, that's what (laughs) I'm thinking You would need a
1: fleet. Yes, yes, you would. So congratulations again to the Cubs. Dr. Axelrod, our guest, next on The Morning Meeting.
0: Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD.
1: morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Quaid with Sean Seacrese. Present. Josh in studio again uh, today with us. And we're welcoming back to the show prolific author and previous guest uh, on the show, Dr. Alan Axelrod. Last time we had him on, his book, his new book, uh, Full Faith and Credit, wasn't out. It is now. Sean has been wanting to talk uh, finances with somebody before the election. Somebody more qualified than us. Well, that that doesn't take a whole lot. And uh, Dr. Alan Axelrod has uh, stepped forward and said uh, he will serve that purpose for us today. Dr. Axelrod, thanks for coming back on the show. Great pleasure. Uh, We've got the election coming up on Tuesday. Uh, The debt's still astronomically high. It will still be astronomically high on Wednesday and probably uh, into the distant foreseeable future. Is there any way to wrangle this debt and, and reduce it without uh, crippling the economy, giving up our sovereignty, or losing our status as a superpower?
2: Well, you, you first begin by actually talking about it, which uh, although Donald Trump has mentioned the, the number, uh, about $20 trillion, Uh, and Hillary Clinton has not even gotten that far, neither of the candidates uh, have presented um, a plan for reducing the national debt. Uh, They've got some broad economic plans, uh, in both cases short on details, but neither has actually tackled the national debt. So the first thing to do is to really start exploring it and talking about it and yes there is a solution there is a financial solution which is very straightforward you decrease spending and you find ways to increase revenue into the government the problem comes uh, not in the the financial solution but in the political resistance to any financial solution
1: dr Axelrod, our guest this morning on the morning meeting Uh, doctor it seems that uh both sides whether it's Democrat or Republican, are willing to talk about increasing government revenue, i.e. taxes. It's just where they put the tax, whether it's a sales tax or an income tax. So they're willing to do that, but neither side willing to take up the conversation about what to cut. Is it time that we need a a change of vision, or is this going to lead us to a spot where we're going to learn the word austerity in this country, especially in the Greek style?
2: Uh, You're exactly right. Uh, We are in a situation where we are, and we have been for about the last 50 years, routinely, as a matter of course, uh, living on deficit budgets, uh, piling up the national debt, because we can, because the United States is perceived as, and in fact is, I believe, uh, such a great nation Such a productive nation, a nation of laws, a nation that honors its debt, that we have a fantastic credit rating. And we have an unlimited, thus far, credit card uh, that uh, not only domestic uh, buyers of the Treasury debt have been giving us, but also uh, foreign buyers of the uh, nearly $20 trillion debt we now have. Uh, about 6.2 trillion is held by foreign countries, and even though the the um, uh, treasury securities pay very low interest rates, they're all willing to buy this because we are they are perceived as a very very secure investment. The United States will always pay it off. Well, there's got to be a uh, a limit to this. We don't know what that limit is because the limit is psychological. It is the feeling that uh buyers of our debt have that their investment will be paid off they won't lose anything ever by investing in the united states but at what point will that feeling stop
1: that's one of the, i would think yeah go ahead i was just going to say that's one of the dangers when you get into what's been referred to as a confidence economy dr alan axelrod that,
2: that's exactly it
1: our guest this morning on the morning meeting, a uh, very clever title for your book, Full Faith and Credit. This, this is really the key passage that keeps other countries buying U.S. debt. Explain why that's so powerful and, and what that actually means, because a nation, uh, unlike a family or even a city, we've seen Detroit probably not going to get much out of declaring anything that looks like a bankruptcy because of the ripple effect that would have, correct?
2: Correct. And what the United States uh, has done uh, since the days of Alexander Hamilton and the creation of the Treasury is uh, invested in debt. Uh, uh, Hamilton argued quite persuasively that debt is not at all a bad thing, provided it is manageable and you pay it. And what Hamilton did is assumed on behalf of the people of the United States, the debts that uh, the nation and the individual states uh, incurred in fighting the American Revolution and uh, against great protest, agreed that the new United States would put its full faith and credit behind those debts. And he argued that this would establish, this would go a far way to establishing the united states as a sovereign nation because you know adults are beings who pay their debts nations are uh collections of adults who pay their debts who are responsible for their debts and we have ever since uh operated on this assumption and it has worked uh we have we have created great confidence in the united states as a as an international brand, a brand that is reliable. But as this debt becomes uh, a greater and greater burden, a greater drag on the economy, uh, requiring at this point in time about $280 billion a year just to service the debt, just to pay the interest, essentially, and whatever portions of um, the... Uh, the um, uh, uh, principle of the debt become due in any given year uh, we are we are paying as a nation nearly three hundred billion dollars annually it is currently the fourth lo- uh, biggest uh... portion uh... of our uh... national budget it will within five years be the third biggest portion uh... eclipsing the military by the way uh... it is if you break it down per citizen Uh, Each of us is responsible for about $61,000 of this debt, and this is like a great anchor on the economy. It affects all of us, uh, and it will affect our children even more. And at some point, it may become impossible for us to continue to meet this debt service. And when that happens, there will be a collapse in our full faith and credit.
1: Dr. Alan Axelrod, our guest this morning uh, on the morning meeting, the author of Full Faith in Credits. I want to get back to the the confidence part about this. Uh, the, our government releases financial numbers monthly and they and then they get adjusted and over the last four to eight years usually downward,, uh, you know, three, four, five weeks later, to the point where we become cynical about those numbers. I want to I don't even carry that over to the debt clock. I mean, there have been times over the last mm, 4 or 5 years where the debt clock just gets frozen. Are we not incurring debt in those in those moments? Or can we believe that our debt is, you know, what we say it is or is it even more than that?
2: Well, it depends how you account for it. Um, uh, I actually am not somebody who believes that the government is uh, purposely disguising the magnitude of the debt, because if they were, they'd do a much better job of it. (laughs) It's uh, it's not like uh, saying, oh, it's only $20 trillion. What a relief. Um, I think there is, uh, however, um, as a uh, a prominent uh, economist uh, by the name of Lawrence Kotlikoff has argued In testimony before Congress and elsewhere, uh, there is a way of accounting for the debt. Uh, He calls it uh, infinite horizon accounting or generational accounting that really incorporates uh, what we refer to as the um, unfunded liabilities gap. That is, the idea would be to uh, account for um the true nature of the national debt by taking into account future obligations that we have no projected income to take care of when they are due so that we should fold all of that uh, since we know we don't we won't have the income to take care of these future obligations we should fold all of that into our present view of the national debt the uh... long and the short of it is when we take that kind of view, our national debt currently is about 220 trillion dollars.
1: Dr. Uh, Alan if we, Axelrod. If we
2: use that kind of accounting.
1: Dr. Alan Axelrod our guest this morning on the morning meeting, his new work Full Faith and Credit, it's out now. So Dr. Axelrod, what I am interested in now is How much debt is too much? We've established the fact that as an adult nation, having debt that we can service is fine. But you mentioned it's about to crawl up the percentage and bump the military as our third most expensive obligation. I guess the, the, the question I have now is is that too much? If we're going to take the raw number off the table, where do we want it to be on how much we're spending? Is it okay to have it the fifth largest, seventh largest, third largest, kind of where is that comfortable spot at if we're not talking about eliminating it?
2: Uh, that's that's, uh, that's a very good question, and uh, I don't know that it is Uh, a matter of dollars and cents because we don't know um, when the breaking point will come. But I would suggest that what we look at is the uh, gross debt to GDP ratio. Uh, And um, there are some uh, figures that put it at about 75%. That is the gross debt Uh, represents 75% of the GDP. The GDP is a very interesting figure. The GDP is the total monetary value in a given year of absolutely everything the country produces. So that's what the GDP is. It's our productive, positive, productive capacity. Now, the U.S. Federal Reserve Not some fringe organization, but the United (laughs) States Federal Reserve, uh, their research department puts the current gross debt to GDP ratio at nearly 106%. In other words, the gross debt is 6% more than the sum total of everything this nation produces. This would suggest to me that we have already crossed that threshold of a bearable, sustainable national debt because we have a debt that is uh, greater than our capacity to produce. So we are dooming ourselves to a greater and greater increases in debt. Uh, There are many economists who believe, based on historical analysis of some 800 years of developed uh, states, that once a state reaches more than 80% uh, gross debt to GDP ratio, it's essentially doomed. Well, we are at 106%. uh, So I think we're past due on addressing the national debt.
1: Dr. Alan Axelrod, our guest this morning on the morning meeting, now I'm depressed. It's Friday. <laughs> I want to have a good time this weekend, but now I'm depressed. And, you know, I don't mind being leveraged. I've, you know, got rental property and stuff like that. But Correct. even 75% would make me nervous. 106%, you know, I just want to find the answer in the bottom of a bottle or Do- something. Dr. Axelrod, has either a uh, Republican or Democrat Party candidate, meaning Hillary Clinton or, or Donald Trump, given you a uh, reason to think that they have a mind to tackle the debt issue
2: absolutely not and this is the uh, this is the political problem we have a political system uh, in which um, you have a basic conflict between the desire to be elected or reelected and the drive to do what is best for the nation. These two motives are typically at odds. Politicians are in the business of promising people things. Both Clinton and Trump have made promises uh, that as far as uh, backing these promises up with uh, plans that have been presented, I would call them in both cases hollow promises. Uh, They have not Said, look, what we are going to have to do because of the national debt is make some sacrifices. I can guarantee you that if either one of them proposed a platform that included sacrifice, they would lose. So this is the, this is the problem that we face, and until we as a nation of responsible voters see the national debt as a problem that must be addressed, not just for our sake, but even more for our children's sake, because we are, it's a cliche, but it's absolutely true, we are mortgaging our children's future. Most of this debt will be passed on to them. We'll be gone. You know, as, as the, the uh, economist uh, uh, Keynes uh, was fond of saying when he was asked, what about the long term in your economic plan? His response was, in the long term, we're all dead. Well, we're dead, but our children aren't. They are going to have to cope with it, and our grandchildren are going to have to cope with it. It will only get worse. So no, the short answer is that neither uh, candidate uh, is suggesting anything. I will say that uh, on the Libertarian side, if you look at the Libertarian Party website, you will actually see uh, some plans for reducing debt sufficiently to... Uh, eventually, within a reasonable amount of time, uh, actually eliminate the national debt. You can argue about how practical some of these things are, but at least there is a plan. But even these candidates, uh, neither, uh, neither Johnson nor Weld, uh, has proposed attacking the national debt. So, uh, no, it's being ignored.
1: Dr. Alan Axelrod, the new book, and it's available now, Full Faith and Credit. You can find it at fullfaithandcredit.com or at uh, websites where you like to buy uh, books. And if you want to see uh, other books that uh, Dr. Axelrod has written, he's written a ton of them, check those out uh, as well. Dr. Alan Axelrod, thank you for joining us this morning on The Morning Thank you, meeting. Doctor. It's been a great pleasure. When we come back, uh, we will talk with Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, next on The Morning Meeting.
0: Where we go, others will follow.
1: That's who we
0: are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
2: This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting. Here on Talk Radio
1: 930 WTAD. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, hanging out with you. Yes, the intersection of multiple Quaid passions still coming up before the uh, end of the show today. Uh, Come on, don't get nervous. We'll have some fun with this. Uh, Now Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, joins us this morning on the morning meeting. Craig, are you at home or are you at the Cubs victory parade?
3: Well, you know, I'm at my office,
1: but I plan to Uh, watch the Cubs. All right. Quade's opening the beverage for Fizzy Beverage Friday. Go ahead. There you go. There's, that's not a pre-recorded sound effect. That's live here in the palatial WTAD studio. Uh, let's get the important question out of the way, Craig. What would you want more? A Cubs World Series Championship or an Iowa football national championship?
3: Oh, um, this is gonna sound bad, but I'll take the Cubs. Really? We had wow. bet
1: against you. We figured for sure you would take the Iowa national championship.
3: Now it's one of those things it's 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 one of those things that when you I don't know how to explain this, but like, you know, like what, what the Hawkeyes did last year is probably as good as it'll ever be. And there's just some real, I mean, like really are going to see a national? maybe a national. I mean, it'd be great to have a national championship, but I mean, in terms of, you know, I mean, in major league baseball, that's all there is, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's not bowl games. There's not any of that. So, um, seeing the Cubs, um, win and the way they did, I'll tell you the most annoying thing the other night for me was uh, at the game, I actually went to Principal Park with Matt Schultz, former Secretary of State, and we're watching the game, and and like he's basically telling me he wishes they were just up 8-0, and I said, what fun would that be? Like I want the, 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 the turmoil and the grit and the grind to get there. I thought it was one of the best baseball games I'd ever seen. With the most on the line between these two franchises. I mean, it, it is a game I'll never forget, and there's so much to it. I mean, I actually think it was just perfect the way it all played out.
1: One of the, uh, and, and I haven't had a chance to share this with uh, anybody really other than my, my, my family, Craig. I, I would encourage everybody to go back and watch The Last Out and not, not watch it in real time, but You've watch it in, yeah. in, in slow mo uh, to see Chris Bryant's face. As yes. he's fielding the ball, you can see the joy come upon him in that moment. He begins smiling uh, as he's picking the ball up to to throw it, and and I'm a Cardinal fan, but but I, I really enjoyed that moment, seeing that happiness come upon him because it was it was genuine. It was it was legit. It was yes. really something special.
3: And and I also enjoyed, you know, Rizzo you know, makes the out and immediately sticks that ball in his back that pocket. pocket.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican with us this morning on the morning meeting. All right, Craig, let's get to the politics since election is coming up on Tuesday. I thought there was a oh, very yeah. interesting article that uh, Fox News did. They basically did a compare and contrast on the Trump volunteer grassroots movement with the well-publicized, well-oiled and well-funded sort of democratic ground game that, that has this, this big national machine in place and, and really has been the strength of that party. Uh, are, are we seeing something that's a, a one-time rally around a non-traditional populist candidate with Trump or is, is the sort of self-starter grassroots movement of volunteers going to be the wave of the future?
2: It'll be the wave of
3: the future if we continue to get untraditional candidates to run for these high offices. I mean, this this is a fascinating story. So, I, I look. My father-in-law is someone who votes in all these uh, elections. You know, he's a dependable Republican vote voter, but he's not someone that goes and volunteers on campaigns. He went to the Donald Trump office and um, you know wanted to. He volunteered through that day, wanted to door knock his neighborhood. All of this stuff. And so when he got there, he complained. He says, hey, this place is hard to find. You should put a sign up by the road or whatever. And the, the, and the response was, is, well, everyone knows where we're going. And he's like, uh, no, not everyone does. I didn't know. And, um, and I think the GOP has to get this into their heads that there's a lot of new people here. And it's, we need to keep them engaged. And there's some really great people there's a gal in Iowa who is uh, – she's fantastic. She works in the victory office. Um, I hope she's involved for a long time. I mean, this is, this is unique. This is kind of – look, I hope that regardless of what happens on Tuesday, I hope we just don't say, well, that was a one-time thing. Uh, let's move on. I think there's a lot of lessons to take from this, uh, and we shouldn't throw it all out, uh, you know, win or lose.
1: Craig Robinson with us this morning on the morning meeting. Craig, Iowa has become a, a battleground state again. We've been talking about it for the last month. Ted Cruz uh, there was it yesterday uh, for Donald Trump. Okay. Bernie Sanders uh, there was it yesterday, or the day before uh, on behalf of uh, Hillary Clinton. All the while that's going on, you had the youth straw poll uh, across the uh, states, and uh, Donald Trump. What they do that in? It was. It's. Is it middle schools that they do the youth straw poll, Craig?
3: Uh, I think it's like, yeah, I mean, it depends what you... I would say like junior high.
1: Junior high? Okay. Uh, Trump won that like 45-36. 45%, 36%. Uh, Is that reflective of what these kids' parents are going to do? I I don't know the history of the Iowa Youth Straw Poll. Is it usually along the lines of how the election turns out? I
3: think it's a decent predictor. I remember when I did it, it was... um, Let's see, 1992, <laughs> or somewhere in there, and it was the uh, um, it was George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and Ross Perot. And um, look, I was a Ross Perot guy
1: mm-hmm. uh, back that, then. That dog didn't hunt. It,
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, it didn't didn't hunt. But I, it, I mean, so I think Clinton won that one, and and that that vote. And so it is kind of reflective of you know, maybe who they're aware of and all of that. I'm fascinated to see what happens on Tuesday because the media continues to try to convince itself and to convince the the, the other media elites and, and political elites that, you know, the this dog and Trump won't hunt. Um, I don't believe that to be the case. I think this is going to be a close election. And what people aren't talking about, I was doing TV with another Democrat, and, you know, he's like, Hillary's going to win, it's going to be, you know... She can get over 300 electoral votes. And it's like, I looked at him and I'm like, well, whoever wins, uh, I mean, like, if a Republican wins, they barely win. If a Democrat wins, they blow by 300. I mean, you're not really predicting anything. And, you know, then it made me go back and look at the electoral votes that John McCain and Mitt Romney got, and they're pathetic. And so my prediction, easy, take it to the bank. Donald Trump's getting more electoral votes than either of those. Uh, last candidates, which really changes the dynamic of how you think about this race for a moment. Because you got all these never-Trumpers, you know, longing for a Mitt Romney to run. I wish we had a candidate like that. And, frankly, I think Trump will perform better uh, than either he or McCain.
1: Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Craig is someone who used to run a political information website. I'm interested in your... <laughs> In in your opinion on this, um, the uh, the the St. Louis Is Post Dispatch. Trip? <laughs> hey, I'm just stating facts. Uh, the St. Louis Post <laughs> Dispatch ran an article that basically said, in this era of widely available information, you should be very careful about who you trust as the source of your information, and then pitched themselves, obviously. So, have we reached a point to where it's more of a Almost a, a a meta war in order to prove your bona fides because information has become so small d democratized that you have everyone with a smartphone is a photojournalist and everyone with a website can be a political commentator. Is it now fighting for legitimacy of opinion rather than exposure of opinion? And how does that really change the game?
3: Yeah. So th- this is a fact. We could talk for hours about this. I mean. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not publishing either. Um, but when, when you think about it, like, it's not the, – the media has lost its grip on controlling a narrative. And right. so it's just out there more. And so I think that – I mean, I get my news mainly through Twitter. Now, it directs me to maybe other news sites. I'm, I don't fall for the clickbait that you find on Facebook of – you won't believe what Mike Pence just said, mm. and you know, click on it, whatever. Um, you know, so I think there's a bunch of bad stuff that's out there that really is just, you know, I would say garbage. But then there is really good journalism out there too, and the and the trick to it is is to just consume as much as you can of the good stuff. Um, I, I was down talking at a, a local college here uh, last week, and my I talked to these two gals who were really involved in politics and, and, and wanted some advice and I said the best thing you can do is go out there and build a really good Twitter feed that aggregates really smart reporters and, and read all of that take it all in and then formulate your own opinion so don't that, that's the most important thing you can do and so I don't think the news is look I read a political, a political article the other day that said, well, you know, all these people who say that, you know, that they won't tell a pollster they're voting for Trump, that's hogwash. And then they cited another poll, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, this this, does, this whole article doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I think it's a completely pile of trash, this this, this article, because I do think there are people out there, especially men who, who, whose wives might not like Donald Trump, uh, are not going to, like, go out there and self-admit who they're voting for. Um, I think this is—this was— in existence for Obama uh, back in 08 and 2012, and I think it, it's in existence today for Trump. And, um, you know, so even mainstream news uh, organizations that have a pretty good reputation, even them you have to question. Them. So it's important really to formulate your own opinions and, and draw your own conclusions instead of looking for someone to do it for you.
1: Greg Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on the morning meeting. This is it, Craig. We're going to vote before you're on again. What's your prediction? Who takes it?
3: <laughs> um, I, I think Trump wins, and, and I know that this is a long shot, but I think Trump wins. I think all of this, the last two weeks have been horrible for Hillary Clinton. Their absentee programs, their early vote turnout is down, and I think that also is going to be reflected that the urban vote in these metropolitan areas, is going to be depressed, and I think we're going to see um, Donald Trump. It, look, if Donald Trump can win North Carolina, I think he can win the presidency. It's that simple in my book.
1: Last week, after we got off the uh, show with you, Craig, within a couple of hours, there was the uh, the revelations about the uh, FBI investigation uh, into uh, Hillary Clinton's emails and Anthony Weiner. Are, are we kind of sitting, waiting for something again today or later this afternoon, just a few days in front of voting?
3: Yeah, I think what people really need to wrap their heads around here is that you what we really have is we have an FBI that is in disagreement with the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. We have two major uh, agencies of our government, which, by the way, is headed by the Obama administration, that Clearly, don't see eye to eye, and feel feel it is necessary to inform the public before this election. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, this is huge stuff. And the and the thing that crossed my mind this week is that even though the election is on Tuesday, I don't think we're done with any of this stuff mm. with Hillary, whether she wins or she loses. Yeah, I agree. Um, and this is very serious stuff. And um you know, I wouldn't want to limp into uh, a general election uh, day like this. And I mean, this is this is really bad. And I think there's more to come. But there's going to be more to come
1: for months. Almost seems like it'd be a great time to be a writer with a political website. Craig Robinson, the (laughs) Iowa Republican, our guest here on The Morning Meeting. Craig, thanks so much. Have fun voting on Tuesday, and we'll untangle this whole result coming up next week, bud. All
3: right, thanks. I'll let you know if I write
1: anything. All right. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. You can check out his historical archive at theiowarepublican.com. We wrap it up next on The Morning Meeting.
0: Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. We missed stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD.
1: It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Secre's squade with you this morning. Just a couple minutes left. I want to uh, cross the streams a little bit. Quaid is a, a, a renaissance man of interests and and, and knowledge, <laughs> and we don't often get to showcase that here on the show. So I'm going to let you give kind of a thumbs up, thumbs down, or maybe an explainer. Oh, I was going to say, I get to play Commodus? With, uh, with, with each of these. Yes, you do. The Federalist, uh, our friends over at thefederalist.com, mm-hmm. they put together the win or lose the election. Here is your we're doomed election playlist. So, your your background of, uh, and, and longtime love of music, uh, give me a okay. thumbs up or thumbs down on some of these. The Vandals, Let the Bad Times Roll. I, I okay, whatever. Devo, Race of Doom. <laughs> Devo's always good. Alkaline Trio, She Lied to the FBI. Ooh, Alkaline Trio also, mm-hmm. almost always good. Sex Pistols, Liar. Yeah, okay. All right, let's see. Oh, no. They're, they're, they're sites pulling a uh, Jim Hoft on me here. Oh, uh, uh, you're having trouble with the mobile? The Smiths. Heaven knows I'm miserable now. Oh, yes. Morrissey's always good. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, Maximo Park. I'm not familiar with them. Mm-hmm. The National Health. I don't know that one. Ultravox, Fear in the Western World. Yes. All right. The Can Vaccine's Panic Attack. Dance pop. What was that one? Uh, panic Attack from the Vaccines. I don't yes. Know what no. Uh, I I know this one. They might be giants. Your racist friend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Soul coughing's misinformed. Yeah. Soul coughing good too. Uh. Mm-hmm. I would suggest uh, a whole lot more. They might be giants. at, at yes. all Yes. Just yeah. In general. O- okay. Goes. It's a disaster. <laughs> okay. Uh. And let's see. Man, that stents too obscure. Uh. Iggy pops corruption. I like the way to to end it with Iggy Pop. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. All right. There you go. Thumbs up from Quaid. You can check that out. Uh, TheFederalist.com put that together. And they've got all the links there if you want to see the videos uh, that were shot with those. I thought that was pretty interesting to do on the end of Election Day. That's going to for us some free time. Yeah. Well, or was paid to put that together. See, you missed an opportunity to cross your strings again. (sighs) More morning meeting coming up Monday, the day before Election Day.
0: Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again Monday for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.